Welcome to Law and More, a podcast series showcasing authentic voices in and outside the law, one episode at a time. Welcome to the Law and More podcast. Today's guest, we have Angel Tai. Angel is a trilingual solicitor practicing in family law, commercial, and corporate. She's passionate in helping clients to solve their legal issues. Angel is also highly motivated and enjoys working in a fast-paced environment. And she's also interested in social justice, client interaction, and problem solving. So welcome to the podcast, Angel. Hi, thank you for having me. No worries. Lovely to have you on board and thank you for agreeing to do this and taking the time out of your day to share your thoughts and experiences in studying and practising the law. You're welcome. So now take me back to before you started studying law, what was the decision process like? Did you know that you were always headed for this path or were there other choices that you were considering, you know, during high school when you were supposed to make a decision about your future? I guess when I first finished high school, I felt like there's so many possibilities in the future. Mm. So I've actually taken a gap month. So I went to overseas and I've seen the world, a bit of the world, basically. And I went back to study for the foundation and I still couldn't really get a precise decision of what I wanted to do. So I've spoke to a lot of people and they told me that law is actually a pretty good way to go ahead in the future because you learn so many transferable skills like problem solving, ability to work under pressure and a lot of time management and writing skills. So that's basically why I decided to further study in law because it just widens up opportunities and I don't lock myself in to a specific field in the future. So I guess that's one of the reasons. The second reason that I wanted to study law is that when I was young, my mom asked me that, what is the thing that a robber cannot steal from you? And as a kid, I just don't know what she's talking about. So um, she told me that it's knowledge. So unlike money, knowledge cannot be taken away from you and it cannot be lost. And with the influence of TV dramas when you watch as a kid, I love to see lawyers fighting for their clients' rights. And I just want to be like one of them because they look so cool in the court. Um, I want to grow up to be like them and I want to be able to use my knowledge and to stand up and voice out for those who are in need. Well, that's a pretty good reason, standing up for... Um, people in need and advocating for them but you mentioned before that you took a month gap like a gap month um, prior to you choosing to do further study why did you choose a gap month before proceeding into what you like to do I when I was young I think it was I think I made that decision when I was like 17 to 18 so I have this crazy idea that I want to leave a footprint Mm. in places that's not in Malaysia because I'm from Malaysia and everything from from one year old one year old to 17 is basically confined in uh, Malaysia and I just have this wild thought that I want to go outside out of Malaysia out of the continent basically so I flew all the way to um to Europe to a town where there's not much of Asian around so I just want to be able to explore and to just 
find myself through this journey. So I've decided to um, go on to a exchange program that's lasted for um, six months. I flew to France and I flew there alone with no adult because I was still underage that time. It was a great experience. Um, everything was daunting. So I guess in France, I I just know that I can be anyone rather than this really geeky girl in Malaysia studying. It's such a privilege to be able to just introduce Malaysia to um, the French people. So Malaysia is such an unknown country, especially in the European countries. And they'll be like, oh, is that Indonesia? And I'm like, no, it's not Indonesia. But yeah, I love my experience in France. And I guess it's just helped me to find who I am. And after that, I think... I was just able to get back to studies and to know what I want to do in the future. So it kind of molded me to who I am right now. So it seems as if that you really have a desire to learn more about yourself by exposing yourself to other cultures, which is evident in the gap month that you would take, that you took, and you going to France and in Europe and having that, having that experience to show off your country, Malaysia, to cultures that perhaps don't know know about it. Was that also a factor for you going and experiencing studying in a different country? So in Australia, where you undertook your law degree? Yeah, I guess that falls quite a bit of um, the reason why I've decided to study law in Australia. I just want to not be confined myself in um, just Malaysia. I just want to go out and meet people from different cultures. And the one of the better ways to do it is definitely study overseas. And that's the reason why. Yeah, fantastic. So how did you go about choosing a university overseas, knowing that you didn't really know much about the country that you were going to study in and that you wanted to explore studying outside of Malaysia? How did you pick the university for you and in, in, in the course? I guess I first chose the city mm-hmm. rather than uni. I love Melbourne. I flew here. I came here um, when I was when I was in high school, so around 16 or 15 years old, I flew here and I get to um, stay in a city for, I think, for a couple of weeks. And I also, actually, I also went to Adelaide to, oh. yeah, so um, I I went to Adelaide and see, I saw their um, uni, um, University of Adelaide. It's gorgeous, and um, the I love, I love the buildings there. It's so um. It looks like a castle if you've been there. So, um, yeah, but I've decided to um, study in Melbourne because it's just a more, it's just more city-like and more vibrant compared to Adelaide. It's more central in in the sense that um, you have a bigger city and there's more things, there's more foreigners, international students. And I've decided to study more in Monash just because um, it's one of the group of eight in Australia so yeah so just just in case I need to fly back to um, Malaysia for you know to to work it's better to get a group of eight um, uni so that's why Monash is my first option and then we do have a Monash University campus in Malaysia so it's quite well known back in Malaysia it's just the 
Malaysia campus doesn't really offer um, a law unit or a law faculty. So yeah, Monash University it is. And I don't think I've regretted it. <laughs> Fantastic. Because you had that spirit of wanting to get out of the box of Malaysia and being um, just from this country or that country and wanted to explore other cultures that eventually led you to studying um, in Australia and choosing Melbourne and being in the city. But what initially were your struggles or did you have, did you expect any struggles studying prior to studying in Australia? Can you tell me a bit about that? I guess um, the struggle is very, for an international, the struggle to um, assimilate myself in a new environment is just, I think at first it was so overwhelming because I have to um, live in a homestay um, house. So I have a host parents and um, and also um, studying law is just, it sounds great and it sounds so stressful as well because you know that what you study, it's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, it's quite daunting the fact that I got into law school. I was so happy that I got into law school, but yet I was so scared because and in a new country and also the fact that um, it's such a big change from what I done in high school. So I was a science stream student when I was in high school. It's such a big leap from science background to um, law. So I guess that was really scary. And first it was really hard. I, I'm not too sure yet, but it's so hard um, because I started off in mid-July. So I, I've, I took the second semester intake. Oh. And um, yeah, so um, for, I think for normal straight law, yeah, and yes, the, doing straight law is crazy. It's just mad crazy. It's so busy and then it's so stressful. But for a first year international straight law student, um, you're supposed to take two law and two non-law electives. Mm-hmm. And because it's for the mid, because it's a mid-July semester intake, I have to take three law and one non-law electives and it was it was very overwhelming because um law the first two units is so confusing it's legal writing and then it's just nothing that I've done before and I guess it was just a big struggle but I met some international friends as well in law school which really helped out and yeah first year was crazy and the year goes by and it started to get easier towards the end I would say. Yeah, I mean, it must have been crazy or crazier for you because you were in a new environment and you're studying a subject that is very difficult in a language of instruction that is not your native language. Was it difficult for you to to adjust in that new environment with new cultures, with the way that people do things? And how did you manage to resolve any of those issues that you may have had? Because living by yourself, did you find that difficult, making friends, particularly in law school? How, how did you go about that? I guess living by myself is not the worst yet because, again, it's a host family, so they do somehow take care of you. And um, it's not alone per se, but you do you do feel alone because you're, you don't have your family there. Hmm. But um, for law school, I think uh, it was quite hard to to get to know people for um, in the second semester intake. Yeah. The yeah, because in the second semester intake is such a small group, 
but people are they have their own clique mm. because I think, yeah I'm pretty sure I missed the first orientation oh. for the first yeah so it's really hard to actually get to know people where you when you miss out the first bit so um yeah I think knowing getting to know law law school friends it's quite hard in the beginning but when people get together and do assignments together that's where you know more people and you know that you're not struggling alone where there's still plenty of people that's still that's going through the same struggle as you and you just have to reach out and also be be honest that you're struggling and hopefully they can do like a study group with you and just go and you can just go through the um law school together that's that's really good advice for any international students who are also studying law and are listening to the podcast right now do you have any other tips for international students who are considering studying in Australia for example doing research on the university or area of study or particularly tips that are tailored to international students who want to study law in Australia I guess the best tip is to um, find a community to um, to be able to support you. I think for international student um, who is who are studying in a foreign country, um, you felt you feel very alone sometimes because you'll have homesick, obviously, um, and also you felt you felt like you have no one to go to when you are mm-hmm. struggling at your work or understanding the course, the units. I guess it's best that you just step out of your comfort zone and to know that um, there are people there for you. You just have to reach out and just don't be afraid to ask questions. I think don't be shy. Yeah, that's probably the most important tip. Just don't be shy because people are nice and you just have to tell them that, um, just have to ask them whether you can you can you guys can be uh you guys can form a study group and just um go through this alone because law school is not easy mm-hmm. for international students it is not easy and I'm pretty sure um for local students it's not easy as well because Monash is so so stressful in law school and everyone especially in the law school library you can just see people studying crazy especially during exam periods people have like I think yeah just be just don't be shy and Mm. um be yourself as well I think be yourself is also very important yeah so that's that's good advice and you say essentially what you're saying is building a community not being afraid to reach out and sharing your experience and your story did you have any groups at university that felt like a community to you that you were actively part of that helped you with your transition as an international student and settling in um, studying law in Australia? Yeah, um, when I was, when I first started, so I've met the international students. Um, they were really nice. Um, we have similar backgrounds. We're both from Malaysia and some from um, Singapore. So I guess that was one of the better communities that I've known that I can go to when I struggle because they understand my background. And for personal, I've actually go to church. So community is really important. So I've actually attended some um, events Mm -hmm. that was organized by a local 
church for especially organized for a international students it's a great community that they provide activities um and also they provide free food i think free food is very important for international students <laughs> yeah so um yeah so um i've joined a community christian community um when i was in my first year and i think they they played a very important part in my four years of law school life as well. So we will meet every every Sunday and then we'll have lunch together and then we do have like some outdoor activities. So that was really great. I think they they make Australia felt like a home that is out of home. Yeah. Well away from home, yes. Home away from home. Yeah. It, it makes Australia felt like a home away from home and I think a sense of community in Australia is it's one of the reasons why I've decided to stay on after graduating from law school Mm. I just fell in love with Melbourne and the people around here and I've decided to go on to my PLT and proceeded on being able to secure a, a job as a solicitor in Melbourne as well. Oh, that's fantastic. So that's really the benefit of having communities and fostering relationships with people in law school and also outside of law school. What advice would you give to not international students this time, but to local students who are trying to befriend international students? How can local students connect better with international students, do you think? I guess the best way is to... um just a smile. I, I feel like law school, um, sometimes law students are so stressed. They're so stressful. And you can just tell from um, how they, how their reaction sometimes. And I guess to be able to just smile, just give a stranger a smile is so important because it just shows you that you're approachable mm-hmm. and you're friendly. And I guess it, as an international student, seeing someone that, in the tutorial that was just like smelling and being nice. It's just so great that it's just so approachable. It makes you approachable. And, um, and sometimes international students can be really shy. So just don't be afraid to make the first move and be like, Hey, how are you doing? And um, how do you find tutorial, for example? Yeah. So I guess, yeah, just be friendly because some international students are quite shy and, I would say myself is one of them as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for any local students that out there listening to this podcast, what Angela said, don't be shy. Approach and make the first move. And who knows, you might be able to make a new friend. Yeah, that's really true. Yeah. Moving on to work experience. So with work experience favorably looked upon by employers and for international students that might be difficult to obtain, so engaging in clinical legal placements and volunteering that your university offers is important, particularly for you, Angel, could you tell me a bit about your experience volunteering for the Springvale Monash Legal Service and how that has helped you in gaining experience? Oh, Springvale um, legal service is basically the highlight of my four years uni I mm. love it so much I've enrolled to it when I was in I think it was in year three that year and it was so great it was so uh, it was so scary in the beginning because I've that I've did it in summer 
And um, there's not much of international student that's doing it. Basically, there's only me and another guy. And yeah, and it's it's really nice because you get to, again, um, set up of your comfort zone. And it's the first, I would say, it's the first stepping stone for you to feel what it's like to be a lawyer. Mm. You get to handle cases on your own with the supervision of a senior lawyer. And it's just really great because you discipline yourself. You have to do the day-to-day management on your files. You get to um, hear stories from different clients, I would say. And it's just really, it's great. I love it. I would recommend everyone in law school to do it because that's how it felt like to be able to use your knowledge that you've learned in uni in practice firsthand. It's just so great and you learn so much out of it. There it is again, the theme of making a difference, Um, especially linking it to volunteering for CLCs, for example, and learning how to communicate to clients who might be a bit vulnerable, as well as learning how to interview them. Do you think this experience working with the working in a CLC helped you further further stem your purpose, I guess, in practising the law, do you think? Yes, it definitely does. So when I first started off CLC at Springwell, I felt like I'm finally helping someone, mm. which is, it felt so um, so fulfilling. It just feel like ah, oh, this is all I wanted to do. This is why I studied law, and it gives you a push to to continue your law school more. It'd be like yes, if I finish, if I survive law school, this is what I'm gonna do every day. This is who I'm gonna help. The the one that is currently in need, and it felt like life has a purpose. So that's why it pushed me more. And I just love after just doing um, CLC, I, I fell in love. I have a new motivation to finish um, law school. And it is just the reason why I felt like doing law is the right thing to do. Yeah, well, that's quite beautiful. Um, I guess it really stems from the fact that working in these places that you hear from, really uh, that you hear from and don't usually get to participate in really helps you strengthen your motivation in pursuing the law as a career. But was there ever a challenging experience for you that perhaps made you feel a little bit discouraged or pushed you back from really pursuing the law as a career? I guess when I was in uni, grades is very important. It's quite hard to get this like flying colours in law school Um, and I guess that was the struggle is to maintain the grades and make sure that you don't fail in law school. I think that's very important. And after that, the struggle is that when I was, for example, when I was in CLC, I just felt like I'm so different from everyone because I have my own accent and everyone is just, they I feel like they have their place yeah. and I'm just the outsider that's just randomly being there and I guess that's the that's probably just in my head and that's only the thing that I want to I need to overcome on my own and I shouldn't have that kind of feeling because we are all the same in the CLC and our purpose is to help people and yeah I shouldn't I know that that shouldn't be what I've been feeling at that time and after CLC I find myself more confident 
mm-hmm. in, in doing interviews with clients, just to know that I, as an international, international student, is able to practice law just like the locals in Australia because it's such a multicultural city in Australia and it's very inclusive actually. It's just a mindset that you have to get over with as an international student. Yeah, that's um, a really good point I think that you make that sometimes there can be this thought of you feeling like an outsider because of your background but I guess one of the strengths of being an international student and the experience that you do bring when you go to a new country is that you've been part of a different culture and especially speaking a language other than English. Could you tell me how speaking another language other than English helped you in in your career so far? Being able to speak multiple languages is really helpful, especially in the current in the current trend in Melbourne, um, so there's so many international people, business, trade business, and trade people. It works very well as an international student to be able to help those who can't speak the language as well. So I've got clients that speak just Mandarin, and I felt like I can use my linguistic skills mm. at work, and the client gets to be more of themselves more comfortable when they're speaking to me rather than speaking in a second language. So I guess that helps a lot. So we do get some documents that comes in in a foreign language. So being able to just look at it and be like, yes, I understand what is this, what is is it talking about is just very helpful. And it makes me an asset to the law firm because I can just understand documents and also be able to read and write in another language other than English that's very helpful I would say. Yeah fantastic actually um, it's, it's nice to hear that knowing a, a, a different language or knowing a language other than English has a number of benefits particularly um, living in Melbourne and living in Australia. You mentioned about your work and using your language um, at work your language linguistic skills at work could you Tell us now, what do you do for work? So I started work three months after I finished my PLT. So it was really great that I can find a law firm that's willing to hire me knowing that I don't have a PR status or I'm not a citizen of um, Australia. I felt very blessed. What I do at work is I started off doing more on the filing side of the work, but after a couple of months, my principal lawyer likes me, so I've get to do more stuff. I remember the first, the first court cases that I went was a criminal matter. So it's a plea hearing, and it wasn't supposed to be a plea hearing. It was supposed to be uh, just an interview with the client, and the registrar decided to, yep, we are ready. Let's just do the plea hearing today. And we ended up going to the plea hearing and it went well. Um, no conviction to the client, so that's good. But yeah, it was so great because it's I work in a small law firm, so I get to have a taste of every different kind of areas of law. So now I've done mainly family law and also some civil litigations. And family law involves divorce applications, some property and parenting disputes, and our application for consent orders. That's currently what I'm doing mostly. Okay, that's that's fantastic. So you are working in a small boutique firm and you're exposed to different areas of law. Um, 
For international students that are looking for work at the moment, what advice would you give them in how you, for example, uh, found your first legal job? Oh, yeah. I found this job through my placement at PLT. So I've done PLT with Leo Carson. And during the placement career, this law firm decided to take on me after after my three weeks placement. So it was really great. The reason why they hired me is that the fact that I can speak a second languages and even the third if needed. So that was really great. And I guess for international students, international graduates, you just have to get exposed to um, the field as early as you can, even though it's just a volunteering work or if it's just a um, just shadowing a barrister, grab hold of all the opportunities that's provided to you and do your best when the opportunities appears. And also, if you couldn't get anything, don't stop trying. Um, people felt defeated because they didn't get their offers after sending out the first 10 resumes. Mm. But I guess you have to keep on trying and keep on doing because it's not easy at this current economic status in Australia and you just have to keep on trying and don't give up easily. It's really great advice. Perseverance um, is a theme of, of the day, I think. So moving on from what you do at work, what is your day-to-day work life look like before COVID and what does it look like now? So before COVID, my workplace, we actually starts at 10. So, yeah, so that's really good. But we finish at 6 to um, 6 to 6.30. So my work life is I'll wake up and I'll do some morning exercise routine and go to work and head back home and cook. That's my routine. And because of COVID, we we have to work from home. So it's quite similar. So I, I wake up in the morning, do my daily exercise routine. And the only difference is that I can make breakfast while I'm actually right before um, work starts. So before COVID, you actually have to cook fairly, like probably 30 minutes before you go to work. And during COVID season, it's great that I can just cook my meal uh, or just like do it on the spot in your home and also doing the work at the same time. So I think that's one of the um, blessing in disguise, I would say, provided from um, COVID. But yeah, so that's my morning routine. And I finish around 6 to 6, uh, 6 to 6.30. But because of, um, because of working from home, that is, I would say there is a blend of um, work and your um, personal life. Mm. You have to really draw a line to say where is work going to stop because if you work from home, it tends to go on forever and ever. And also it kind of affects your mental health as well because if it's a busy day, you have to start your work earlier and you have to finish it later. Being able to draw a line to separate what's your personal life and what's a work life, it's very important. To be able to find hobbies during COVID season, it's very, very important as well because you have to just freshen up your mind and try something new, try to learn a new skill. It's very important. So uh, during COVID season, because of the work arrangement, sometimes we get to, we have to work until seven to eight or nine so it depends on the workload and I guess 
it's very important to to keep yourself sane and um, know where to stop. You've actually um, answered my my question, my next question there. Um, so you've talked about the flexibility of working from home and having a blend of your personal life into into your work life um, and learning how to balance that. And can you now tell us what your self care strategies are in helping you separate your personal and work life? For me, I, I'm a big foodie, so I I love to go out and eat before COVID hits. Um, I love to go to cafes and stuff like that. Um, because of COVID, obviously, um, none of this is gonna happen. Um, so I I've kind of moved towards of baking. So I love baking. I love the smell of fresh, freshly baked goods in the morning I love cookies so I've tried out a lot of different recipes for cookies so I've made some matcha cookies I've made some chocolate chip cookies made some oat cookies so I guess baking is one of my way to unwind myself if I have a really long week because it base it's basically following instructions given to you and it doesn't really require you to think a lot so it's kind of like a therapeutic way for me to unwind myself and I really enjoy it and I also like to do some calligraphy yeah so calligraphy is one of my um one of the things that I would like to explore more I actually went to a a private lesson a couple of years ago and I just fell in love with it it's so good it calms your mind move it along to the next topic about transition um transitioning to full-time work after university so for those that are currently on this path and are listening to this podcast right now, hi, hello, um, tell me, Angel, about the struggles that you faced in the first few months of settling into your full-time role. So I know you did PLT with them and you were, um, and you were taken on board after that, but for the first few months of having the full-time role, what struggles did you have? For the first few months, it was very different from what i actually experienced during placement because in placement they te- they tend to smooth things out for you just give you direct instructions of what you need to do but the first few months that I started this work is to be able to find the thing that you need to do to be able to to take the initiative to work to find what's the best way to move the case I'm really lucky that in this current firm that I get to supervise closely by my principal lawyer I feel like it's really important to have this kind of mentor and mentee relationship in the law firm that you don't you don't feel like you're alone and you don't feel like you're doing everything on your own and you are just stressed out and um, just overwhelmed and just feel like you're, you can't breathe at all. And I don't think this is healthy for a fresh grad. You need to have a support from the law firm itself that they are able to help you and to guide you when you're going through some um, hurdles at your work. So I think it's really important to have this great environment at the law firm to be able to help each other and to work through the cases and to guide you. Again, we see the theme of networks and building relationships and fostering them. And like you said, mentor and mentee relationships are really good, especially if you're a grad starting out and you need that guidance. Now, just moving on to my next question, to how have you effectively managed your time to make sure that your work is of a high standard um, and that you're really supporting your law firm 
for me, my own trick is to write down a to-do list mm-hmm. for the day. So I think it's really important that you set out a time in the morning when you first reach the law firm and write down what you need to do and put the so prioritize what you need to do and list it all down on a paper. So you are aware of the time that you have and just make sure that you don't just focus on one specific task and you lose track of time with the rest, which is not ideal for a lot of them because you need to be able to be efficient when you're working. It's really important to go there early, write down what you need to do, make sure that um, the important thing goes first and goes to the less important things down the end of the list. Terrific advice at that. Well, workloads at university versus workloads in real life in practice are different. How have you handled the the workload? For myself, I will make sure that I take on things that I can handle, the thing that I have on my list and I will be able to finish it. If you take on too many things, the quality that you are able to present is not as good as the one that is actually within your ability to finish it. Workload-wise, you have to be very diligent when you are taking on your tasks and to be able to tell someone if you're overcrowded with work, see whether your your supervisor can help you to delegate the work to someone else if it's, if it's really, really heavy, the workload. And I think that it brings back to the point that you need a good team of people that you work with. You can kind of stretch out the workload and yeah, it's just good if you are able to reach out and to ask people to help. It's a struggle for young professionals to learn how to prioritise things, but how have you personally done it? Because you you did say before that writing a to-do list and learning how to prioritise, which is more important, is key skill in effective workload management. But how essentially have you learned to know how to prioritise, know which is more important than other things? I think the easiest answer is to see what kind of task is due. For example, if the defence is due in a couple of weeks and you have something that's due in the next few days, I guess the thing that's due in the next few days would be the thing that you prioritise most. I guess just to be able to weigh things out, to know which one has more important per se for timeline and which one is not. Basically know your file well as well to see whether how long it takes for you to finish a certain task, whether it requires a longer time to finish a task or whether it requires a shorter amount of time to finish a task is very important as well. That's how you know and that's how you plan out your week and also your day. Okay. Yeah, I guess that comes with practice, learning how to weigh things naturally. But on that thread of thought, as a young professional, you're still learning about yourself. um, And sometimes when you're still learning, you might be intimidated, especially if you don't know how to do things off the bat. Have you ever had an experience where you you felt that you weren't good enough or you weren't feeling confident enough to tackle a particular task or particular um, problem? I think this kind of feeling, it's quite normal because um, for a fresh grad, you don't have a lot of experience in the legal field compared to um, someone that's more senior than you in the law firm, for example. So I guess is that you need to know you are still learning while you're working. So learning doesn't really stop in uni 
goes on when, especially when you're in your work life. So you need to be able to learn fast and not to be taken down if you felt like you're not enough. It goes back to your state of mind and to know that you will get better with time. Everything is better if you have time to practice it, if you have time to know what you're doing. And it's the experience that makes you valuable for the, for the law firm. Because no one knows everything when they first graduate. Because what we learn in uni, it's more on the theory side. What you do at work, it's more on the practical side. It's through the working experience that you are able to grow yourself. Just know that it's just a learning process and you don't need to be afraid of failures because this is how you learn and this is how you grow as a person and also as a working profession. Know that if you fail or if you make any mistake, you just need to tell yourself you're not going to redo it in the future. And I think that's the most important part. Yeah, really beautiful advice there. You don't stop learning, you keep on learning even after you graduate and more so when you graduate. And that failures, failures are just failures, you've got to try again. What measures do you, do you take when you, feel, when you feel these feelings coming on, when you feel feelings of self-doubt and not feeling confident enough in, in your work? How do you handle that? I would say that don't hold it to yourself. It's really bad everything on your own and it just kind of started to brew in your brain and um, it's not it's not healthy talk to someone if it's your supervisor or if it's your good friend of yours it's really important to share share the things that's bothering you in your mind share the things that you're concerned as a human being we are a kind of a community we live on community we are not a person that can survive on its own without any support from friends or family and I think it's also important to reach out to people if you think that you're not going well with certain things and approach someone that you trust and maybe that person can have some uh, good advice written to you. So you never know. But it's important to share what's in your mind and know that you're not alone. Again, beautiful advice there. And it fosters, again, the theme of communities. But moving on, on to that, have you ever made or was there ever a time when you made a, a really big mistake? And how did you feel and how were you able to, to resolve it with the positive mindset? I think when I make a big mistake, especially at work, I guess the first thing that I would do is to calm myself down and think, what's the best way to fix the issue? Mm. I think that's really important. And when you have that solution, if you ever, if you get to that solution, um, I'll bring it to my, um, my supervisor. Just be like, okay, I've made this mistake at this certain area. This is my proposed solution. Do you think we can go ahead and fix this? And I think you just need to own it and mm. don't blame to someone else I think that's the most important thing and make sure that you don't redo the same mistake in the future it goes back again to failure so we are not perfect human beings people do mistakes some of the time and I think it's really important to stand up again from your failures and to be able to rebuild yourself and to move on with your life and to make sure that this doesn't happen in the future I think that's really important learning how to move on and learning how to get up after falling down is a key skill in legal land what is the major thing that you've learned about yourself 
myself this year as a solicitor? This is such a tricky question. Um, for me, I learned that I really have a passion for family law matters because I value family a lot and being able to help people in their family law matters, it just goes back to my heart. And I think this would be the path that I see myself doing in the future. So uh, you're passionate because families mean a lot to you. Yes, I feel like being passionate to what you're doing, it's very important because you don't want to wake up in the morning feeling like, ah, I'm going back to this work again and I don't really want to do it. I think having to know what's your passion is important and I think that's what I'm doing at the moment as well to find the passion that I have. Great advice from you again. It seems as if family law might be an area of law that you'd like to specialise in. So the other theme of this podcast and the format of this podcast, we interview guests about their interests outside of the law. We did already talk a little bit about it um, beforehand. You did say that you love food and you miss going to cafes because you're a big foodie and you've also tried calligraphy and baking as well. The question now is, what's your favourite food? (laughs) (laughs) What's my favourite food? Um... I guess I really like sushi. Sushi. Sushi, yes. Sushi is my favorite thing to eat because it's just so nice. I love seafood. Yeah, sushi is my favorite food. And if you're asking for dessert, I love ice cream. Gelatos, any sort of ice cream, something cold. Ah, that's my favorite. Yeah. Perfect as well because you're in the city. And if it's within 5Ks, hopefully you're able to get the takeaway at least. Yeah. Okay, that looks like that's the end of the podcast there. And really, really great chatting with you. There were key themes of connections, communities, and really fostering and building relationships and knowing that if you do fail, it's not the end of the world. You're just going to keep on going. Um, so thanks, Angel, for that insightful chat. No, thank you. I really love sharing uh, my experience with you and whoever's hearing this. Um, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I know that our listeners have learned a little bit about you and what you do, but if there's just one way to sum it up in one key takeaway, could you do that for us right now? What I want to say is that be be yourself and um, find your passion on what you want to do in the future and don't be afraid to reach out if you are ever in need of anything beautiful quite simple as well now finally if our listeners would like to connect with you could you just tell us how they can do that oh they can find my name on linkedin great fantastic so put those details just under this podcast wherever the description box is thank you again angel and thank you to our listeners today we appreciate your support you can now listen to this episode on anchor and spotify as well as other streaming platforms make sure to follow us on our social media pages bye bye Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Law and More. To stay connected, follow us on our social media link down below. Law and More, pointing you to the right direction.